0: happening, people? Welcome back to the Rotobond Podcast. Pete Davidson here, as always. And um, sorry about the long intro there. Uh, the song just sort of happened to uh, fit the topic of the podcast. That was uh, an old, defunct Southern California band called In A Way. And uh, the song title, as you may have guessed, uh, is called Tiny Brains. Um, and that's that's sort of what this uh, podcast is about, when your brain... Gets a little bit uh, negative EV, a little suboptimal. Uh, We like to call it tilt. And, um, you know, I noticed a lot of folks on Sunday night, uh, really last week, were, you know, asking me questions that, I, you know, I know these folks are smart enough. They know the answers to these questions. Why are they struggling with this? And, you know, it's because they're on tilt. Uh, And I thought, you know, this would be a good time to maybe uh, just do like maybe 5, 10 minutes on tilt Uh, on the DFS podcast this week, I was going to do that. And then I started thinking, well, you know, tilt really applies to all kinds of fantasy um, decision-making. In fact, the ones that really sort of made me think about doing it were people asking me seasonal questions, trade questions, um, you know, after falling to whatever, three and six or whatever, uh, four and six, I guess, this week. Um, So I said, yeah, you know what, maybe I'm going to just do this on the normal pod. And, you know, the more I thought about it, you know, rather than just te- rather than you know just have my takes, um, why not get somebody who has like more practical experience with tilt? Um, and I immediately thought of uh, Sammy Reed, uh, who is a you know really strong DFS player uh, and also an exceptional poker player. Uh, so Sammy's got a lot of experience um, with tilt. And, uh, so I figured, hey, maybe, uh, maybe he'd be willing to come on the podcast and, you know, being a really phenomenal dude, uh, I, I called him like 24 hours ago and said, hey man, any, any shot you can just sort of jump on, do an impromptu conversation on the pod. Um, and Sammy's like, yeah, man, sounds great. And, uh, so, so there we are. Um, at some point we may try to do a more, formal version of this where it's a little bit more organized uh but for now this is what we got so uh, hopefully you guys like it hopefully it's something you find um you know worthwhile maybe even actionable um so kick back and enjoy uh my discussion with sammy reed okay everybody at this time i would like to welcome the venerable sammy reed to the podcast sammy how you doing man i'm doing awesome i'm excited to do this bad boy with you (laughs) <laughs> well thanks for coming on man um, just for those who don't know and I'm sure most of you do Sammy is with rotogrinders.com he writes a really awesome DFS article uh, every week called the read option uh, you can also catch the Gilcast on Mondays with Davis Maddock and uh, Sammy and who's your third guy I'm, I'm flipping now I can't remember Nate Noling.
1: nobody actually knows who Nate is uh, he's, only, <laughs> he's, he's good. only no he's great he's great Nate is a, a special character and uh, and I love him very much
0: Okay, so um, for those who haven't caught the Gilcast, it's really good. It's uh, it's
1: always on Monday, right? Yeah, I mean, we record it like late Sunday night, and Davis just drops it Sunday night, so that way. Oh, okay. You
0: know that explains it. Because the wounds are so fresh
1: on oh, that they, show, oh, <laughs> they are—they are still seeping, bro. It's—it's it's just a wound uh, that actually the, explains it. Yeah. So I mean, it's—it's it's fresh as hell. And sorry, we are, I'm
0: laughing too hard. No, no, and we're
1: constantly like groaning to each other, like, "Oh, I can't believe we have to do the podcast, and I don't want to do this." Like,
0: <laughs> oh, I, I was—I was actually just listening. Like, I mean, last week lineup construction was just the devil, you know? Like. Any like you just make a move and it, it, if it, if it took you off of um <laughs> Kirk or like I mean I got really lucky because when I took Kirk out it was because I created a block with the Giants receivers so like I took Kirk out of my cash lineup and just be just by just pure luck it didn't hurt me but oh man I I came so close to getting waylaid last week I mean so much stuff. Went wrong, but but that giant block just saved me. It yeah, saved it's me. huge. It's huge. Uh, I mean, I, how many? I, I think what two out of the last four weeks. By five o'clock, nothing makes sense. You know what I mean? It's I I don't know if I remember an upside down season like this. And I guess it's all about the quarterbacks. You know, so many quarterback injuries, so many broken offenses leads to just
1: madness. Is it me? Uh, a lot a lot of the time and and I also think it's one of those things with our memories like I feel like every season is kind of like this and yet that's true. we always think the current one is is so much worse because it's so fresh in our minds and you know the reality is is every year we have these crazy upsets and teams that have 30 point implied team totals you know kicking two field goals and that's all they get and it's just <laughs> like how did this happen um, some jackass going off for forty points. Uh, Kirk was not a jackass, but just no. some asshole. And you're like, dude, how, how did this happen? My best laid plans, and and now I'm broke. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, well, you
0: know, it's funny. I guess maybe the reason we think it's this year and only this year is because we're on tilt. <laughs> it must be now. Like nothing could be worse than right now.
1: <laughs> that's right. Pretty consistently on tilt. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so anyway, so that's um. Uh, in the intro, you guys heard this. Uh, the reason I asked Sammy on the show and by the way, uh, a, a legit shout out to Sammy for being like a total team player. Cause like I messaged you yesterday afternoon, like, Hey, you want to just come on the pod? I know you've never been on before, but I had this idea and you're the only person who can help me with it. And Sammy's like, yeah, I'll come on. Sure. No problem. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Ex- expert in tilt. That's me. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so do you, uh, and I did, I should ask you before him, but I mean, you're, you're either very close to being a professional poker player or you are one. I, I, do you consider yourself like a professional player or are you just a guy who plays pro poker when you can?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would I would not call myself a professional because I don't play for work. Um, I have mm-hmm. a full-time job, but I think I do play like at a professional level in the sense that, A, I play a lot. I think I'm up to like 600 live hours this year, um, wow. which is quite okay. a bit and then you know and then untold hours you know studying and figuring out ranges and you know all the stuff that goes into you know being like a higher level player um you know i take a lot of time so it's it's almost like my second job like i legit have like money goals and volume goals and you know all this stuff and i take so i like dfs so a, a lot like that, <laughs> a lot like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. no, and
0: then that's that's the reason my mind went to you like really quickly. and i I um, you know, I read your articles. I, I love your stuff. Um, and a lot of the time you you have weaved poker into your DFS stuff, which makes tons of sense. Um, and I've had some people, just so the audience understands like how this happened. I've had some people, and last Sunday night, when you were recording the Gilcast, I was literally, uh, providing like nickel psychology to people on Twitter and via email because they were just on huge tilt um, from week 10. And like some of the trade, <laughs> some of the trade offers these folks were considering were just like, uh, you know, insane. Um, and like yeah. I said to you, I, I told a couple of people, I'm like, look, here's what I want you to do. Go to bed. Just go to bed, sleep it off. If you think these are good ideas, when you wake up in the morning, hit me back on Twitter and we'll talk about it. And I didn't hear from any of them the next day, right? Which just sort of goes to show. Yeah, they, like, they, they'd all, they'd all thrown themselves off bridges probably. Oh no, <laughs> no, shit, now I got to send more emails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are you alive? Um, but, but it just, when, when, when the pain is fresh, people can go on tilt. So that's like a post game tilt. Um, but yeah. what I wanted to focus on for this show, um, I told you before we started recording, I was reading this book called Factfulness, uh, which Josh Hermsmeyer turned me on to. And it's a really great book. Um, and it's oddly enough about analytics. Um, and it, it, there's a chapter called The Fear Instinct um, and how fear can basically have a massive impact on decision-making. And I think sometimes we think of fear as, you know, you fear for your life or you fear for someone you care about for their life or something, but fear can be the fear of losing, the fear of being embarrassed, uh, the fear of being in a bad cash position when you wake up in the morning, like, you know, competitive stress doesn't have to be, you know, bodily fear. I think a lot of us feel the fear and go on tilt for a lot of different reasons. Um, and before we started the show, I went through some things with you, like things that can make you go on tilt. And I went through exhaustion, excessive risk, cumulative failure, stuff like that. Can you just sort of uh, and, and and we're going to get into a couple things later on. But if you can just give me and the audience just like a brief introduction to like how you deal with tilt, what it means to you and how it exists in poker and DFS.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think tilt, anytime you're in stressful situations, tilt can occur, um, especially when things don't go your way. And, you know, it, it can be it can be really present like it is um, in sports, or it can be something passive like it is in DFS, right? Like, what I mean is when you're playing sports, you're actually playing it. Um, and in DFS, you've done the work and now you're just watching the games and you have no control over what's going to happen. And poker is kind of in this weird middle ground where you have some control uh, the way that you play, but then you also have uh, some not control the way the cards come out, etc. So um, I think anytime you're in those stressful situations, you know, that part of you can be heightened. And if things don't go well, and especially if there's other factors uh, going on, like, yeah, there's money stress, or, you know, especially if that money is very meaningful to you, um, that can be yeah, or yeah. the moment, yeah, right. The moment is really meaningful to you. You're playing sports and you're in a huge game. And if you win, like all your goals are accomplished and everything is lit. And if you lose, you're just, you know, you're, you're a goat and everybody hates you or, you know, whatever that looks like. It's like, there can be a lot that goes into that. And, uh, yeah, it's really easy to tilt out if things aren't going your way.
0: Yeah. And okay. Interesting. What you mentioned about poker, it, it, the dynamic intrigues me, right? Because in DFS, we sort of lock our chips in. And then once they're sort of locked in, I mean, yeah, you might have some late swap stuff you have to consider. But for the most part, everything's going to play out. So you, there's tilt before lineup lock, but then everything after lineup lock, I don't know if it's tilt, it's more like pain. But yeah. in poker... You're continually having to make decisions through the process. There's no lineup lock. Like You start playing. like When a hand is over, you might be on tilt from that hand, but you're immediately having to make a decision in the moment on the next one. So that's that's a different dynamic. So Mm -hmm. I would think for you, again, which is another one of the reasons I went to you directly, um, I would think you might have some coping mechanisms um, that some of us haven't really gotten to yet. Just because we haven't gone through it as much as you.
1: Yeah, I mean, poker wise. I mean, so number one, I'll I'll tell you something a little, uh, I don't know, kind of frou-frou that I do. But before Mm -hmm. I play every poker session, I literally sit in my car outside of the casino and I do deep breathing exercises. No joke. Makes sense. I deep breathe in for eight, hold for four, exhale for eight seconds. And I do that seven times. It's a routine. Um, and, And I do that because I want to relax myself. I want to disassociate myself from any stresses that are going on outside, whether with family or work, because if you walk into a poker game already on tilt, you're, you're kind of sunk, right? Like that's not going to work out well for you. And so, <laughs> it, right. And, and so that does two things, right? It, it relaxes me, but it also having a routine, uh, routines are very calming to us, right? We feel safe and secure yeah. when we're doing something that we always do it's a path we've already taken and I think those two things uh, walking into a poker game I mean that's number one and then number two I think is is kind of a bankroll thing where if if you're playing with money that's really meaningful to you like if you're not properly bankrolled for the game you're in you are going to stress right. way way harder than you would if like you have a fifty thousand dollar bankroll and you're playing for a thousand bucks it's like okay thousand bucks is a lot of money, but if I lose it, like I'm fine, I still got 49 K it doesn't materially change things. But if you have 2000 bucks and you need 500 for fucking rent and you're putting it all on the line, that's going to lead to some severe tilts if uh, things don't go your way. So I I think being, doing that stuff is, is all very, very critical.
0: That makes like perfect sense. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. While you were while you were talking, a thought ran through my mind, and I hadn't even thought about this. But if you're a poker player, and again, hand to hand, the stuff is moving. The, you know, the your your emotions are moving around. Your your stack is going up and it's going down. Um, and if you if if you're on tilt, I would imagine, and this actually isn't going to help our audience, I don't think. But sometimes I'm just curious and I have to know. Um, but if you're on tilt, I would imagine that you're easier to read. Would the, I would, is there any truth to that?
1: Uh, I mean, I can only say it from other people's perspective. I know that if somebody is right. tilting and frustrated, they're more likely to make spazzy moves. Uh, spazzy meaning like. So a say move you're forward. playing. Sorry.
0: No, say no. you're playing somebody who you've played a lot, who you know this player pretty well, you know their ins and their outs. Would it be fairly
1: easy for you to detect tilt from that player? Yeah. Because, I mean, tilt is okay. not something that. People can generally hide, right? There's a physical manifestation of tilt a lot. We, you know, we steam, we fidget, we, you know, we we curse under our breath, we breathe hard. Like, I mean, when you know, frustration is very hard for anybody to to not physically relate to other people for sure. Like, if you're at home and you're Absolutely. and and, you're, and your DFS team isn't doing well. Your wife knows it. Like, it is not a secret.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That is so true. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's weird, right? I was talking to you before we, we started recording, and I was telling you, you know, I was a tennis player, and, and I went through athletic tilt um, as a tennis player. And I, as you were just talking, I was thinking about a guy like McEnroe, who would literally win grand slams while tilting. Um, I guess yeah, he, he must have just he, he, been a massive
1: <laughs> – No, he was like Bane, bro. He was like Bane. He was just like, oh, I was molded by the tilt. I was born into it. You know, it was just like.
0: No, no, no. It's funny. That's what I was thinking. Like, is McEnroe an example of a guy who is not a guy who can go on tilt? Or is he a guy who just functions on tilt? Or is it that you could play a sport and be on tilt? But if you took McEnroe and put him in a poker game in that same mindset, he'd probably get his clock cleaned.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he might have just been one of those special people. Right. Who, Even
0: assuming he can play poker, by the way. Sorry.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I think he was probably one of those special yeah. people who just fed on tilt. He was able to use it positively for himself, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really rare trait that that yeah. I certainly do okay. not. Okay, that's interesting.
0: Okay, right. I, that that's so funny, you say that because that was actually a question I was gonna ask later. Like, are there people who are just wired differently, who thrive on the conflict and the tilt and the and and the adrenaline and the endorphins and all that shit where it might throw one guy off his game, but it puts this guy like right into his zone. Like do people like that exist in poker?
1: Uh, they they do, but again, I think they're very few and far between. I think it takes a special kind of person. And for me, That would never work. I don't thrive in those situations. I need to be calm and like, then uh, if I'm tilting, like, I'm no good for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like, for me, in an athletic event, I sort of like being a little bit enraged. (laughs) Maybe it's because I'm an older athlete and I'll take any endorphins or uh, testosterone I can get. Um, But yeah, like when it it comes to the sport, right? Go ahead. It it also depends on the sport, Um, I think. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I play, my primary sport now is volleyball, which is a very confrontational sport. So I'll take anything I can get to fire me up. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like uh, in tennis, being enraged probably isn't as good because I'm making so many, like in a tennis match, you actually make some decisions that are almost like poker decisions because you really are mono and mono and everything you do affects your opponent and everything he does affects you. So right. it, it is a little bit of a different dynamic. Like this, I, like I can feel a guy exploiting me in a tennis match, right? I yep. know he's attacking my weaker wing. So what do I do with that? Like that's poker. You don't really get that in a six on six volleyball match. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and, um, for and the me, other, the other interesting, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was just going to say in baseball, it always helped me to like be calm and focused. Whereas in football, like, you know, that's a really confrontational, you know, really physical sport. And the more fired up you are playing football, usually the better.
0: Right. No, that's definitely true. Um, And then the other, another interesting angle is teammates. Some people feel extra pressure when they have teammates. I'm sort of the opposite. Teammates calm me down. Like I love having teammates because when I start tilting, they untilt me. (laughs) Um, Like I was, you know, I literally on, on uh, last Tuesday night, I had to be dragged away from a referee, like literally. Two teammates pulling me away from her, <laughs> uh, and and the the irony of this one is that the referee was on tilt and I couldn't deal with it. Like he oh, was no. literally tilting on his calls, <laughs> and, yeah. And I'm just like, and at one point he's like, "I didn't see it," and I'm like, "Dude, it was right in front of you." But anyway, I, I digress. Um, let's let's stick let's stick back with uh with tilting. So the point of this podcast and we're already 17 minutes in and I'm having fun with this, but what I'd like to do if we can is try to give some actionable ideas to people on what they can do a, if they think they're tilting and B is there a way we can help people recognize when they're tilting? Um, Do you have any ideas on that thoughts? Am I Uh, making sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, if you don't know when you're tilting um, I guess I can't really help you, uh, you that's something you got to know by yourself and I mean some people are you know it's sort of like knowing when you're too drunk to drive you know what I mean yeah. like
0: you're the, the very fact that you've been drinking compromises your ability to make that decision tilt sort of the same way
1: yeah and you know I mean I, I think mechanisms for dealing with tilt I think those are gonna vary by person because we all have different personality traits but you know I I really The things that help me, uh, number one, and something I mentioned earlier, is really being prepared. You know, the the more prepared you are and the more work you've put in beforehand, whether that's poker or daily fantasy, et cetera, um, the more confident I feel that even if things go wrong, I've done the right thing. And if things go wrong and they're out of my control, you know, you can always look at the long term. And I think that's the that's the issue with putting too much of your bankroll on the line when it comes to poker daily fantasy is if this doesn't go right, I'm fucked. Right. As opposed to, right. okay, this is just a small piece. And I know I've done my research correctly. i feel confident in my process. Even if it doesn't work out this week over the 17 weeks or over the, you know, 500 hours I play over that term, it will work out. And I already know beforehand that there will be ups and downs. That's the way things work. Um, it kind of having that knowledge beforehand, I think is great. And then something you said is like, when you recognize you're on tilt, man, do something that calms you down, like go outside, take a walk, like force yourself to do it, do deep breathing, whatever that looks like. If you have to go outside and like punch a punch, some of your lawn furniture, like I actually did last weekend, when (laughs) Adams uh, dropped a pass. um, Go, go ahead and do it, man. Like do what you got to do. But, but calm yourself down because at the end of the day, like tilt is actually very destructive. You know, we, we sometimes just think of it as, Oh, I'm frustrated or whatever. It can be really destructive because it leads to bad decisions moving forward. And that's where you really screw yourself. Yeah, no, that's this, that's exactly why I wanted to have you on, on the show because, you
0: know, so often we talk about tilt in the middle of the afternoon on Sunday when it's it's not so much tilt, it's just frustration. It's not hurting us in any way because we've already made all of our decisions. Um, but tilt Sunday morning is a real problem. Tilt, um, when you're sitting there talking out trade with somebody can be a real problem. It can really hurt you. Um, and it's funny, I actually was just, I off the top of my head, I just jotted down a quick list of, um, I, I just wrote tilt avoidance and I started writing things down. And the things I wrote were play within your means and to your point that you just made, Number two was play only when you are prepared. Um, yeah. Like you said, if you're not prepared, you're you're going to be making suboptimal decisions because you're going to be filling in what you don't know with narratives and gut feels and stuff like that. Um, the other thing I wrote was avoid time crunches. That would be like doing yeah. all your lineups afternoon on Sunday. Yeah. Um, the other one I wrote was rest. Um, tired equals tilt. Um, and the other thing I wrote was be open and honest with yourself. Um, you know, being able to look in the mirror and saying right now I am suboptimal. I am minus EV right now. Well, if that's the case, don't put any money in play right now. Right? Like you said, walk around the block, clear your head, uh, talk to somebody you trust, you know, Maybe even test your brain, do some brain teasers. Is my brain working well right now? I don't know. Maybe that's a bad idea. I don't no, know. No, uh, one thing I've actually done
1: is – go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say this is a really important point and and uh, I think we should dive deeper into it. But continue your thought, please. Sure
0: um well um i actually uh, the the one more the one thing left on the list was exercise which is something i've done recently sundays like i finish the show i get into my lineups i don't like where my head's at and i go out and i run and i come back 40 minutes later i still have plenty of time and i just feel better and things are good so that's all i was gonna say oh, um, but uh so you were reacting go ahead
1: i i was literally texting with a buddy a poker playing buddy yesterday and I'm trying to find the text, but he basically says, okay, he says, LOL, because uh, we're talking about just like steaming and stuff. And he says, I try to get plenty of exercise and sleep. And after running two miles, nothing bugs me. Like, this is just a, a random conversation I had yesterday. So, <laughs> what, you, what you're talking about. Well, I uh, hey.
0: Yeah, well, look, you and you're a poker guy and a DFS guy. Obviously, this is something that is a big you have to make sure you're clean as much as possible mentally. Right. And for me, I mean, I'm just, I don't have an off day during football season and it's, that's probably my personal biggest problem for me. The rest thing is big. I don't get enough rest during the football season and it occasionally knocks me into suboptimal thinking. And it's something I've attacked over the last 12 months. I started second half of last year and I've really tried to be regimented about it. Even when I know I have work to do, I'm going to shut it down once I know I'm in suboptimal mental state. Um, So, you know, sometimes it's like, shit, I don't like either option here. I don't like leaving this article where it's at, but I know I need to go to bed. Like, But I've been making the bed choice and it actually has been helping a lot for what, you know, for anybody out there who might be in that kind of situation. You work your ass off all week. You're a 70 hour person and then you've got kids and, you know, everything's last second on Sunday morning. That could be a factor in why you're making suboptimal decisions.
1: Absolutely, and and I think sorry, go, go ahead. No, I think one really important thing to realize about tilt is that in general, in in most cases, it has a lot to do with ego, and it, at its very root. Yeah. And I think that ego is one of the most destructive things that we can have in sports and poker and daily fantasy. All these realms we're talking about. You know, just thinking about it from a poker perspective there is so much ego that goes on that can destroy your game. You know, you're at the table and, you know, some guy bluffed you. And so you're like, well, fuck this guy. I'm going to try to get him back. And you start playing more hands against him. Or, you know, you're down, say you're down. Re- revenge poker is bad. It's very bad, right? It's the worst uh, because you stop <laughs> playing your game yeah. and start playing a different kind of poker that's that's obviously not optimal. Uh, it can It can take the form of, say I'm down 75 bucks. And I really would like to stay until I'm up a little to leave. Um, that's actually really bad. Because right off the bat, absolutely, absolutely. Your hunch, I, your, I, yeah, I totally agree. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. It, it's 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 awful because what you're doing is actually saying my ego will feel a lot better if I leave a winner here, and you start playing just to right,
0: and you sort of hit it and you sort of hide it within a goal.
1: Exactly. Like, oh, this is a goal,
0: but it's not really a goal. It's about ego.
1: No, yeah, it's not a goal at all because it doesn't actually matter. Who cares if you won or lost this session? Um, because maybe you're up the last 15 minutes or you're down the last 45 minutes. You're up this session, but you're down the last three sessions, but you're up the last week. Like, they're all arbitrary time frames. It doesn't matter. Like, you are always even. You're always even. You have exactly how much money you have right now and everything else is just a psychological construct and for you to continue to play maybe when you're too tired sub suboptimal conditions at too tough a table whatever that looks like just to try to leave to to get to leave a winner uh, that's that's your ego talking to you and making you make decisions that aren't optimal and at the end of the day i think that if you can separate your ego from a lot of this and it's way easier said than done you're way ahead of the game
0: yeah, yeah, that's so true. I mean, it's like it's it's like we get caught slowly as we start tilting, and as uh, well, you, let's stay at the poker table right now. You're at that poker table. Things start going badly, and for some reason, your mental state slips into a micro state instead of a macro state. Right? Correct. Like you say, like all you have to do is think about the macro, and everything's going to be okay because I'm a good player and I know what I'm doing and I trust my process. But all of a sudden, for some reason. The next 10 hands have taken on some heightened importance
1: because of something inside your head, and now you're actually in a dangerous situation. That's right. It's all it's all imaginary, and it's all so many things to stroke your ego, right? So many of the things we do in daily fantasy is because of ego, right? Oh, I, I want to play this guy because if he yep. smashes, I'll do great. Or I, I, I have to play this guy because if he goes off and I don't have him, I'll have major FOMO. Like FOMO is just your ego. You know what the worst is? What? And I, I, I think you're gonna understand this.
0: Here's what here's one that I really hate. I wrote my article, my plays of the week on Friday. And by the time I get to Sunday morning, my process has taken me off half the plays I wrote on Friday. Oh yeah. And in my head, I'm like, I have I have to play the plays that I wrote. And it's like shit. I was suboptimal Friday and I'm optimal now. And it's like you get into – I get caught into this thing about I need to play my own plays. Yeah. That can become a tilting
1: point. Oh, my god. I, I totally understand this. It's a uh, – you read the read option, right, that I write? And it's
0: because like I had my Friday – yeah, yeah. No, but – and sorry. I... I'm going to let you go, but like I, my deadline is an arbitrary thing. My employer set, like if I had my druthers, I would release my stuff Saturday night yeah. <laughs> or like Saturday afternoon, but they, they want it on Friday. So it's, you know, it's like 75% baked. And then once I'm fully baked and I'm feeling wonderful, um, I want to just play that. But in the back of my mind, those, those things that I told my readers two days ago, like
1: I want to stay true to that on some level and it's tilting. I completely agree. So I drop the read option generally on Thursdays. So I'm doing, I'm writing it Wednesday night. Yeah, it's dude. And, and I have the same thing. I mean, every week I, I like do that, like a song thing about some player. I'll like write a song about him. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And it's super fun, and you know, generally, it's a player I feel really good about. And if I don't play that, player, I wrote the, I
0: the song. song. I gotta play. Him. I gotta
1: play him, right, <laughs> dude? If if I don't end up playing that guy, I feel like a fraud. But the reality is that I wrote that Wednesday right. night, and things can change by Sunday morning. And yeah, it, right. it's 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 a huge kind of. It's of true. Video, and yeah? I,
0: I have started sort of softening some of the things I say in my first article. Like, hey, here's where I'm at today, but don't forget I'm going to do my full slate walk tomorrow, and we and we got the show Sunday morning. So, you know, keep up with the changes. <laughs> I mean, it's I don't know. It's sort of it's sort of lame, uh, but I mean. Th- the thing about daily for me, and and I'm jealous of people who are just daily only because they can start their process Monday. Yeah. But for me, my process starts right now, Wednesday, because I'm doing full waiver wire until Wednesday morning um, because I've got those readers too. Um, so my pro- I'm like fighting pretty hard to get up to speed by Saturday. Like that's my life. Um, and if I am slow, then I end up doing a lot of roster construction Sunday morning. And I've that's a little tilty
1: for me. Time crunch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, no. That's that's it. Time crunch. Um, and then sometimes it's like, you know, I had to I had to cut a corner. And I know there's one game that I only did 50% of the work I wanted to do on it. And now I'm thinking that game. You know what? I know that at 5 o'clock, that's going to be the game I didn't, you know, that I should have spent more time on. It's like, Argh. um, But what's great are the weeks where I've got everything locked in Sunday night and, excuse me, Saturday night. And the only thing that Sunday is for is for the stuff that pops up. Yeah, Not that that can't be tilting, by the way, because last week I was locked in. I felt great. And then they benched McCoy. And all of a sudden, all of my lineups are in motion.
1: Oh, yeah. And and that's I I, I do the best also when and I try to do this every week. And sometimes it doesn't happen. But when I'm set on Saturday night, Because then I wake up Sunday, and I just like drink my coffee, and I'm going through my seasonal lineups, and I'm regging for games at DFS, but I'm not like smashing all my lineups. And this week, obviously, McCoy was inactive. It made Damian Williams a really, really good play, and you have to be prepared for that. And so, again, I think it's always important. Some of these things will be unforeseen, but it makes life so much easier when you know guys like a game-time decision – Instead of saying, okay, like, I, I'm i going to see what happens with him. The night before, you should be prepared for if he's in or if he's out. If you've already made that decision. Have all your pivots. Have your pivots. Like, if you make that decision beforehand, imagine how much easier it is for you to operate Sunday morning, 30 minutes before lock, if you've already made the choice. If you've already figured yeah. out what you're going to do under no time duress. If you're doing it at the moment, man, you're going to make some suboptimal decisions in general.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but um, I can't remember what week it was, but it was a week where there were a lot of plays that I liked and I, maybe I made the mistake of narrowing my field too much. And then when I got to about 1130 on Sunday morning, I'm like, man, I don't have exposure to this guy who I really like. And I don't have exposure to this guy who I really like. And FOMO kicked in and I ended up making like 10 new GPPs. I think 9 of them tanked and if I had just stuck with where I was, I was going to have a good day and I sort of sort of FOMO tilted myself into a bad day.
1: Yeah, you you know my theory that I wrote about last week at 96.4% of late swaps uh end up losing you points. <laughs> I I really, you know, I'm joking about the percentage obviously, but but I think that generally like last minute swaps under duress, all that stuff. They generally don't work out.
0: Yeah. Like they should, my basic thing on late last late swaps are there's gotta be a reason, right? Like f- information changed on the ground. There's some reason to do. Yeah. Damian Williams. All of a sudden. I. Right, right. Exactly. Not all of a sudden, like, well, I've been going back and forth on this all week. I chose last night and now I'm going to flip flop. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Like, Stick stick with the choice you made when you were in a good place. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing, like for me, like, I don't know what time you wake up on Sundays, but I wake up at 6 a.m. At, like, that's the latest I wake up because my, my show goes live at 8 a.m. in Boston. Um, so by the time I get to looking at my lineup, sometimes I'm a little tired, you know, like and, and I, I, that's just my life. So I need to and this is actually good because I think every one of us comes from a different place. We all have different stress points. So for me, it's being tired on Sundays. For somebody else, it might be something else. Um, but you need to sort of figure out what are the things that get you personally into a suboptimal place with your decision making and and do what you can to avoid them. Uh, one thing that you said was that I thought was interesting was the deep breathing. Now I'd heard that, it's something I've done. I actually mentioned to you before the show, I actually did it um, in a tennis match to get me over tilt. Yeah. but here's what I'm going to ask. That's like a cool thing for you to do before you go and sit. What would you do if you start tilting while you're sitting? Uh, I'd either. And it's okay if you don't have an answer for that, but I'm wondering, do you have any kind of
1: ideas? on? Yeah. That? I, I'd either go outside and do this again, or I would leave. and I think having, okay. and, and and I think that that's so important to be able to just get up and leave, right. knowing that there will be another game tomorrow yeah. and a game after and this is really hard. Versus, say, playing it
0: – I'm sorry, but, like, the, do that versus, say, playing it close to the vest for 20 minutes to
1: calm yourself down. Like, that in and of itself is suboptimal, right? I, I think so. Anytime you're out of what you normally do, it's suboptimal. I mean, you know, it, we were talking a little bit about your your tennis story uh, beforehand. And if you want to tell that, great, because I think that really ties into this – if you're playing different than usual, um, you're playing badly generally.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a great story for me. Cause I, I blew the match, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Like I, <laughs> I was a tennis player in college. It was, it was the one sport I was good enough to play college level at. So I, I, I played, and, um, my sophomore year, I would finally got like into the starting lineup, and we were playing St. Anselms, and the match was tied 4-4. I'm the last match on the court. I'm playing a third-set tiebreaker. So this tiebreaker decides my match. It also decides the team match. Um, and I got myself down to match point against in the tiebreaker, second serve. Um, and I tossed the ball up, and I felt my elbow go tight. I felt it, absolutely felt my elbow go tight. Um, they say that that's what happens when you shoot a free throw and you choke on a free throw, and I choked it. I served it right into the net tape. I knew it the second it left my racket. Um, and on the way home from the match, a, a senior sort of took me aside and said, look, you choked. It's okay, but you need to accept it. You need to understand what happened. You need to know what that feeling is so when you feel it again, you could step back take a breath and make sure you take a full shot. And he was dead on. He was hundred percent right. And the thing he kept me from doing Sammy is he kept me from coming up with alternative reasons for what happened. Because I think sometimes if you leave an athlete in that situation, eventually they'll convince themselves. I didn't choke. I just missed. Yeah. It was really important for me to accept the choke at that point because the choke was the most important part absolutely. and choking and tilting are basically the same
1: thing. Absolutely. I, I think, I think they absolutely are. And you know, I have a I have a kind of similar story where I was playing for a travel ball team. This was uh you know in my 20s, and uh, I was a catcher, and we were in the championship game, playing at this at a minor league stadium, huge crowd, and we're playing against an undefeated team in the championship game. Runner on third, two outs, bottom of the ninth, tie game, and uh, and I choked and. The pitcher just threw an inside fastball and it clanked off my glove. Pass ball, guy scores game over. I was beside myself. I I was a grown man and I literally cried after the game. I was so, so torn up about this. And I'd had some, some, choked in some big moments before in my life. And after this, one of the coaches told me the best piece of advice I've ever gotten in my life about this. He said, when you're in a big spot, Focus on the game, not the moment. Focus on the game, not the moment. And I think that was so... What do you need to be doing right now? That's it, right? The moment doesn't matter. What does this game mean? What will people think of me if I make an error? What will... All that shit, it doesn't fucking matter. What matters is you see the ball and you catch the ball. Mm -hmm. You hit the ball. You do what you do. It's just a game, right? It's no different than else. Right. Well, the else. moment is the thing that's fucking you oh, up. That's right. That's right. That's what <laughs> happens when yeah. people choke right. is the moment has fucked them up. The moment is too big, but the moment is just a construct. Yeah. It's just a psychological trick. You, what you need to do in the moment. Yeah, no, it's is funny that no different than any anything. Else. It, well, you calling it Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you calling it the moment. I was actually telling you cuz that's what uh, Jim Courier was talking about playing tennis, and he's saying, like, if you have a problem with the moment in tennis, you've got a problem right. because you don't get to avoid it. Like, if you play basketball, you can pass it to your teammate with the seconds round, you know, counting down and let him take the big shot. You know, in football, you can, you know, you cannot be the guy who gets the ball, but in tennis, you can't avoid it. It's coming to you when it really matters. It's going to be on your hand, on your racket. So if you can't figure out a way to handle it, don't play the sport. So, I mean, for me, I eventually did figure out how to master that type of situation. I can hit a second serve under any amount of pressure. Now, the interesting thing for me, Sammy, is that I sort of thought, well, I'm, I'm above tilt. Now I've figured out how to handle pressure, but it's not really true. I, I, what I learned how to do was how to physically handle pressure, Mm -hmm. but mental tilt is not something that I've figured out yet. It's still something that happens to me. So, um, sort of two different things you know what yeah I mean?
1: kind of uh i mean i i can say two things that are very true number one is that i tilt way less than pretty much any other poker player i know and number two it like it's a strength of mine and number two i still tilt <laughs> so that's a- oh
0: well yeah no like the idea that anybody is beyond tilt i think is sort of silly the reason some people don't tilt very much is because they don't get into situations where like if you're a great tennis player and you're playing college tennis and only one out of 20 matches do you play a player who can even challenge you well you're never going to tilt because you're just killing everybody right Right. but if you're an average player you're constantly in life and death struggle matches you're going to be faced with tilt on a regular basis Um, you know so like A guy like Yvonne Lendl, sticking with tennis for now, Lendl tilted away a bunch of uh, major championships in the early 80s um, because all of a sudden he was running into guys like McEnroe and Connors and people who could match him mentally, and it took him a while to get over it. Um, So you can be amazing at what you do and still have mental hurdles. You can be like, uh, we have NFL players, right? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's a Hall of Famer. Like There are people who will tell you Peyton Manning never got over tilt.
1: Absolutely. Well, Patriot fans. <laughs> so yeah, until until he came back from that three no, deficit, though, or whatever it was.
0: Right, Manning actually is a great example. I, I yeah, I don't know if Manning. I mean, maybe he tilted against the Saints in that Super Bowl. I don't know, but he's like actually a pretty good example of a guy who is so like he's so much of a machine. I think on some level, like he's. Let me back up and rephrase this. We were talking before about preparation. I think Manning's a great example of a guy who's so uber prepared that it keeps him off tilt most of the time.
1: Yeah. Oh, a- absolutely. And he's very task-oriented. And that's and that's the same thing with fo- yeah, f- focusing yeah. on the game and not the moment. Like, who cares that it's the Super Bowl? You know, it, if I win, this will be this for my legacy. If I lose, this will mean this for my legacy. If you're thinking about your legacy – or how people will perceive you, or what it means during the game, you're fucked, right? That is not how you're going to get it done. If you're thinking of, okay, I'm seeing two high safeties, that means I'm going to run this route concept, that means I'm going to call this, these protections. If you're thinking about the task at hand, the game itself, that's it, right? We talk about clutch and unclutch, and how hard it is to quantify. To me, the idea of clutch is only continuing to do what you normally do. It's not tilting. It's not necessarily like finding some like third level when the moment is big, even though it seems like some people are able to do that. Clutch to me is just more being able to play your game in the face of pressure. That's what clutch means to me.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, if you think about clutch, we backwards engineer it, right? Like, guys who are clutch are guys who've already done it in the big spot, right? right. right? So, like, you go to Keith Hernandez and you say, dude, you're, you're, you're so clutch. But yeah, and, and Keith may em- embrace what you're saying and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I thrive on pressure. But in the back of his mind, what he really knows is that he blocks it all out, sees nothing but the pitch and hits it, exactly. right? Exactly. So, you know, he's, he's tilting, he's not tilting because of what you said, but when the person asks him the question, he'll be like, oh yeah, man, I love pressure. You're right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the truth of the matter is he knows how to avoid it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's something we'll so it, it,
1: players, i it so it becomes a self-fulfilling narrative, you know? Absolutely. There, there's a lot of narrative that goes into it and, you know, it's just one of those things where we, we definitely ascribe this to players after the fact, but the reality is, is that. All players come up big and small if they're in enough big moments. Look at Tom Brady; he's come up unclutch in a in a bunch of big for moments. Sure. But for the most part, he, yeah, well, he's able. To-
0: Thankfully, there's Shanahan and Matt Ryan who so. are <laughs> <laughs> <We're> not <laughs> um, Now, now, I, you know what? I'm going to start tilting right now. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, what? you 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 said something that I thought was interesting. Let's see if we can apply this to DFS. So let's say Pete Davidson, I'm sitting there and I've got some sweat pouring out of my forehead and it's, you know, it's a half hour before a lineup lock, and I've, I, I'm not comfortable with my lineups. Unfocused would be getting into that fear of missing out place and thinking about all the plays that I, maybe I should be thinking about more, but I don't really have the time. I shouldn't be thinking that way. What I should be thinking about is, do I have enough floor here? You know, like I could be looking at my lineups. That's fine. But am I looking at the right stuff given the time frame that I'm in? You know what I'm saying? So so I might be looking like, do I have enough strength in these lineups built up? Well, that's a good train of thought. But thinking about every play that I'm not making and the stress that it gives me, that's a really bad
1: thought. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I think these things are amplified when you're under time pressure. And so when we talk about being prepared, I think that – really plays into it. It's like, look, if you find yourself in this situation, I don't know that there's a right answer in this situation. The right answer is to keep yourself out of the fucking situation. It's to take right, yeah, right? right it is to take right. time to make sure this is ready on Saturday night. This is to wake up early on Sunday and make sure it's done two hours before lock. It is to do more research throughout the week. Once you're in that spot there's not a lot of like, oh yeah, for sure. You just do this and it's okay. Like generally, the way to yeah, you no. Know. It's like once you're
0: in that spot, you're the guy who just had the scantron mm-hmm. sheet dropped on his desk with the test and you didn't study, and now you're just yeah, you're grab bagging and you're tilting and you're praying and
1: yeah, yeah, and that and that <laughs> you're is. looking to your yeah. left, maybe you
0: know? <laughs> right. Right. The only option you had was to be ready right now. You're dead. Right.
1: Now. And so there's
0: no, there's no magic answer. There,
1: there's there's not there's,
0: I, if I could just get off tilt. I'll, no, no.
1: Yeah. No. The only thing I would say is in that situation, you got whatever half an hour left or say 15 minutes left. I would walk outside and just like breathe for five minutes and just just think and try to center myself for five minutes, and then go in and use the last 10. If you just start grinding for those 15 minutes, uh, you will generally find yourself in a a poor mental spot. Yeah. In fact, what I have found, if I start grinding at that point,
0: I actually, I'm losing ground. I'm now opening up more decisions. I end up I end up adding questions to my sheet, not answers.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You're you're just making suboptimal decisions because you put yourself. in the I'm back into the weeds. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, yeah, I think I think preparation yeah. is going to keep you out of these spots. It's the number one thing I think that that keeps you from tilting out.
0: Yeah. No, I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, here, here's one last thing I was actually I was thinking about, and w- we've actually done. I think this has been relatively interesting for 45 minutes. Um, But, you know, in tennis, in my experience, once you start a match in all the places I've ever played, coaching is not allowed. So, like, I can't go over to the fence and say, Coach, what am I doing wrong? It's illegal to do it. And I'm pretty sure if you're at a poker table, I don't think you're allowed to solicit outside advice. Maybe you can. I don't know. But I think you're pretty much alone at a table once you're there. In fantasy football, you've got the ability to go get second opinions. You've got the ability to go read other people's rankings. Um, you can go to your, you know, every most of us sort of have a, a consigliere who, you know, can help you verify whether you're on tilt right now or not. And I guess what I'm saying here is, I wanna encourage people who think maybe they're on tilt to go use these secondary sources Keep yourself clean. Either go to someone who you trust and look at their rankings, or go to a site where you trust the information, look at some stuff, or just you know call whoever your second opinion guy is and get some second opinions. That can be a nice way to either stay off tilt or figure out how tilty you are in the moment or what have you. A support.
1: Does that make sense? Support system is so key. You know, I have I have a couple of poker buddies who. After every session, I will text them two or three hands and kind of get their opinions ah. on them and this and that. They're people I really respect. They're winning players, they play higher stakes, etc, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. I respect their opinions. We won't always have the same answers. but having that discussion with somebody who's good at something is a really good way to like suss out what's you know what's really good and true. And what the right ways are. And I'm not asking him, okay, did I play this hand right? What I'm really doing is asking him what his thought process would be and really bouncing the way that I played it off of him to kind of get a different perspective. And I think the more you use people as sounding boards, you know, it's just like Daily Fantasy. I don't text my buddy and say, Oh, you know, do you think Damian Williams is a good play? it's more like, okay, what would you expect from Damian Williams today? How do you see him fitting into lineup construction? Would you, you know, how do you compare him to like Devin Singletary or Ronald Jones? And you start having a discussion. And I think you don't just take everything that they say for fact, but I think having a constructive discussion with smart, successful people, I think just breeds really good ideas. And, I think every successful person in business, in real estate, in stocks, in fantasy, et cetera, has a group of people that they will have constructive discussions with both pre and post uh, the actual facts. And and I think it's so healthy and important.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And here's the other thing. Like when you were talking, the thing that sort of seeped into my mind is i'm thinking okay i'm sort of tilty i call up a friend now he's talking and i say hey what do you think of Damian williams and now he's giving me a lot of the conversation you were depicting all of a sudden i'm listening to a rational person talk and think it's making me feel more rational now i'm thinking mechanically instead of emotionally and look what happens yes
1: yes absolutely mechanically instead of emotionally so huge
0: yeah. Yeah. That's good. So listen, um, I know you need to get a, like. We could sit here and keep talking about this for a long time, but I know you need to get about your day. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap this up in the next couple of minutes. But if you like, I, this would be a fun thing to maybe do like one or two or even three podcasts on like during the off season when we can sort of like, you know, set it up a little bit beforehand and, and make it a little bit more organized. Um, it could be the kind of thing we like when people are tilting week 10, we'll be like, listen to this. <laughs> we recorded this like yeah, six the, months ago when we were like, so far from tilt, we could think cleanly. Right. Cause like I'm sitting here talking about tilt with you when I'm probably 5% on tilt. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's good or bad or, or, or uh, no, whatever, you, should, but, you should be 75 percent um, this and,
1: podcast, and, I think, but that's okay. But,
0: <laughs> well, you know what? It, here's the interesting thing. What. Well, it's funny you were talking about poker before and i was thinking for you i i would think it would be the thing that i would think about dfs that is fun for you is that in poker the cards are always static right it's the same deck the same probabilities like when you learn something in poker you learn it forever in dfs you have to prove yourself every week right like you have to relearn the deck every week like before you can even play you have to learn the deck does that make sense it
1: it does and i mean there's there's that whole because the cards change in DFS, they do. They do, and I,
0: like one week, one week the queen is running four o. The next week she's running five o. Yeah, you know? we don't know. She's not. Stacked. And I
1: would say the similarity is that you know poker, even though many situations are similar, there's so many variants and permutations and flop textures and pot sizes, et cetera, et cetera, and positions that. The, everything's still a little bit different. And I think it's the same thing in daily fantasy. Um, you'll you'll have differences with the player pool, like you're talking about players, player pool, situations, games, etc. cetera, every week. Um, but I think that having generally well-thought-out strategies is so important because that will lead you to the right answer when there's slight differences, right? You know in daily fantasy that there's a running back on DraftKings for 5K and he's a home favorite and he's going to see goal line work, and he's going to see some work in the passing game, that guy will generally be a lock, no matter if his name is Ronald Jones or it's Damian Williams or whatever. Knowing those things are generally good at certain price points, uh, they're gonna, they should be in your lineups, will lead you to the right answer. It will make things easier when LaShawn McCoy is ruled out. Just like in poker, that if you know that you're check-raising a you know 743 monotone flop with both sets and you know two overs with a backdoor flush draw but you're calling with your uh top pairs middle pairs etc and you're folding everything else knowing these general rules will really help you in certain situations even though every little situation is going to be slightly different from the last one i think being prepared in that sense again i talk about this a lot but that will lead you to the right answer more often than not. Yeah,
0: I mean, I—it's so true. And I mean, it—it's probably the most important to. I think it probably is the most important point to make when it comes to tilt. Um, is just be prepared, do your work. If you are prepared and you've done your work, the tilt is going to be minimized. I mean, it, and anybody who's ever taken a test can can understand yeah.
1: that. Yeah, I mean, test taking is. It's a huge, I mean, test taking is just like what we're doing. Basically, when you play poker, it is a test, yeah. When you play daily fantasy, it is a test. How do you respond to the test? How do you, if you've studied a lot and worked on it, you're gonna feel a whole lot better than if you just like blazed the whole night before and you know took a shot in the morning and now you're now you're going out. I mean, maybe a shot in the morning is good, I don't know, but but. <laughs>
0: See, you know what's dangerous though is when you do that and you have like a nuts week. <laughs>
1: yeah, you'll do it again. Because then
0: you start thinking, "All right, I, I just, I just got to get hammered Saturday night." That's, That's the, the answer. Key. I
1: figured it out. Um,
0: <laughs> I definitely fell into that trap. I think it was 2015. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, but anyway, um, so sh- I've got like six ideas. So I'm going to just shut this thing down before I start talking because I'm going to end up keeping you here another 20 minutes. And I don't want to ruin your day. But um, at some point, man, I, it would really be fun to get you back on this pod, revisit some of the stuff we said, um, and then maybe put, put forth a more organized idea on this um, just in terms of like how people can get off tilt. But the, and, and let's each of us maybe take like a, a final closing thing. But like my advice to people is try to learn yourself as best you can. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. And you have to really be honest about it. Like on, being honest with yourself is step one to realizing that you are on tilt or that you have been or that you occasionally will be. Um, so the first thing you need to do is do an honest assessment.
1: Are, are you with I'm me on that? fully with you? I think that people who are honest with themselves, both about what they're good at and what they need work on. Uh, are so much better. And that's an ego thing too, right? Like if you're lacking in a certain area and being honest with yourself about it, or you're tilting and being honest with yourself about it, it, that can sometimes be a hard thing to realize uh, because your ego is saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm infallible when the reality is, is that none of us are. And the quicker that you are honest with yourself, the better you can get. You're never going to get better if you don't admit that you need to be and I think we see this with people. We also see it with the best teams. The Patriots are the most self-aware team in the NFL. They know what their strengths are and their weaknesses are, and they play to those strengths and weaknesses. They don't just say, oh, yeah, well, we're, we're infallible. They're not Dave Gettleman saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what's best, and I'm never going to trade the number two pick because I'm the smartest guy. It's like that guy has no idea of his shortcomings, and it's ruining his franchise. It's the Patriots right. – are always honest with right. self-assessment.
0: It's so funny you bring up the Patriots. This is a great place to close. I remember I've said this on my podcast a couple of times, the one I do for EEI. Um, when when Revis came back to the Jets, right after he was with the Patriots, I, it, this is just sort of a random thing. And I've looked for this interview. It's not on the internet. I can't find it. But he was on with like Joe and Evan, the, the morning guys. And he was talking about what it was like to be a Patriot. And At this point, you have to understand, Revis had been a Jet with one coach, then the Jet with another coach, and then he was with Tampa, and then he went to New England, and then he went back to the Jets. So he'd been on a bunch of different coaching staffs over like a four-year period, right? And he was just going on and on about, I think the the way he put it was, he's like, Joe, you would not believe the, the amount of information that you get. When you're a Patriot player, he's like, he just wouldn't believe it. The level of preparation, the way that the the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. He's like, he just wouldn't believe it. And Revis, you could really sense the sincerity in his voice. And the reason I'm telling the story is, like you say, the Patriots, they're never on tilt. It's because they're more prepared than anybody else. And it's not close. So I think that's a good way to close it.
1: Absolutely. And, And I'll throw one more thing to that point. The Patriots mantra is what? Do your job. Do your job. Right? Yep. It is not, do your job. It's not worry about the Super Bowl. It's not worry about this moment. It's not, how are you going to look on Sports Center after this play? Any of that. It's do your job. Focus on the game, not the moment.
0: Man, I think we're just going to end it right there. <laughs> um, so, hey man, Beautiful. Sammy, I- I'll tell you what, I- I'm glad we recorded this, but I- this would have been fun just to like call you up on the phone and talk about this. This is good. Um, so uh, hopefully you're going to come back in the pod because you're, uh, you're a really good guest. And maybe next time we could just do a slate or something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Any Anything you need, just let me know and uh, we'll make it happen. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on.
0: All right. Well, hey, folks, that was uh, Sammy Reed of Roto Grinders. And uh, that was the Roto Bomb podcast. So, hey, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.
1: Using my tiny brain in my tiny room